2: You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Adweek Podcast. It's a bonus episode of the Adweek Podcast. We are with Gary Vaynerchuk, CEO of VaynerMedia. Gary, you're always busy, but you are especially busy this week because you have uh, no less than, I believe, three Super Bowl ads coming up this weekend. Uh, Last year with Planters was your first uh, Super Bowl ad, and now you're coming back in a big way. First of all, thanks for making time for us.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
2: Tell me a little bit about the experience of last year. Uh, We'll go back and talk more about how VaynerMedia has developed as an agency, which is a fascinating story. But tell me about the experience of doing the planner's ad last year and the response you got and how that fueled you to go even bigger this year.
1: Um, So to actually answer that question in a way that knowing the listenership of something like this, the reality is, is that we've always been very focused on where we think the actual customer attention is. And so Super Bowl... You know, it's it's fun to hear going bigger fueled, going bigger. Super Bowl has been on my mind literally from day one when we were a community management company just doing Twitter, right? And so last year was our first at bat and the response was really strong. You know, ironically, and this is fun to say publicly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I was like so miraculously in love with the creative. Like I loved a Rod. I loved the kale. I loved the nutmobile. Um, but what I always remind everybody in the organization is, you know, these are subjective decisions, right? But most of all, the attention, the sheer attention on a Super Bowl spot is remarkable. And luckily, I'm sure for all the creatives involved and strategists and and clients, the ad was received quite well in the scheme of things, not the number one and definitely not in the bottom. I did extremely well on social from a response perspective. Um, did the objective, which was, you know, one thing I'm most proud of, and you'll see it in all three spots from us, is like we really think about business when we create. So, you know, if you think about that spot, the notion of like kale is super hot and people are eating in a certain way, let's not forget some of our classic snacks. So I really like what we did there from a business strategy creative standpoint. Uh, and you know, I'm sure, and, and first of all, it's really an honor to be on this podcast. Obviously, Ad Week and two or three most important publications in the world, it, I'm very self-aware, recognizing where our creative and media shop are coming from, which is a hyper different angle than the majority of the creative shops in the world. So as you can imagine, I was A, most thrilled that on a consumer level, you know, it was the single most talked about ad on Twitter, like that's exciting to me. Um, More importantly uh, is that's all I really focus on and that's how this agency is built, end consumer business dynamics. However, I'd be lying if it's not important and nice to get whether it's recognition or knowledge or awareness within the B2B realm, right? And so what was important and what fueled me from that standpoint was, A, I'd be lying if I didn't say that it felt good to see like the comments online and in the can and a a circles of like, Vayner did a Super Bowl spot? You can imagine how I feel about us this year coming out with three, which has completely taken people aback, uh, because I'm aware that we aren't positioned in the same way as some of the other great creative shops are, but we really believe with what marketing is supposed to do, we sit in a very special place and are starting to show people that. And then obviously, the reality is, in a lot of ways, Planters has either won or has done a very good job so far in the Super Bowl sweeps with the way we went with our strategy of releasing a Super Bowl quality spot on social, uh, got an enormous amount of awareness to set up the next spot, and so it was always the fuel. Last year was the serendipity of our first at bat. We hit it in a meaningful enough way that didn't, you know. sometimes when people step up to the plate where they don't come from the angle where the industry or the clients think you're coming from, if you miss, it might be the only time you got up. We didn't. Which clearly gave us momentum to for that client to do it again, and obviously, reputation and other things we were doing led to two other opportunities. Um, it's scary to think that there was two others that were really close. So we're in a really, really remarkable spot um, as a creative force to do Super Bowl spots, which to me is unbelievably important in the world of marketing.
2: Yeah, and to give context, I mean, you the other agencies that are doing this this quantity of Super Bowl ads are you know, some of the biggest and most storied names in the history of advertising. You've got Widen and Kennedy doing, I believe, you know, upward of four spots between their New York and Portland offices. You've got Goodby Silverstein doing, uh, you know, multiple spots through their Pepsi relationship. Uh, and then you've got VaynerMedia, which to your point, I think is a name that a few years ago, even no one would have expected. And, and other shops have, have had these kind of surging moments like Anomaly and a few others. But it, it does feel like, I, I guess I'm curious from your perspective, do you feel that, how would you describe the way that you feel the industry kind of looks at VaynerMedia and whether or not that's changing?
1: Um, I think we're really much, we're a hardcore enigma. I mean, until we hired Harriet, you know, nine months ago, we really didn't have an extreme focus on PRing the shop in any shape or form.
2: Harriet Flory, who worked on BBDO. For that's right.
1: Um, and, that wasn't out of, you know, sometimes I get worried that people think it's because I'm audacious or disrespectful, that would really make me sad. We've been just very focusing on our craft. You know, obviously, I as a human am far from scared of having PR, so that built some levels of awareness within the industry, but I'm very empathetic, sympathetic, compassionate, and understanding of the fact that the industry doesn't view us as let alone some of those iconics, like the current leaders, whether it's a 72 and 70 or a or some of the people I have a lot of respect for, I understand why people don't put us even in the conversation. Or heck, I would argue there are people literally listening to this right now that maybe have not even heard of Vayner. Or if they have, it's literally fleeting because their nephew thinks is a fan of me on Instagram or one of their former employees works here and isn't that a social shop. Um, that is out of sheer determination to figure out what we've been on a mission on from day one, which is if somebody pays us money, we're very, very passionate about that driving business results. And I do believe that the current state of the creative industry doesn't put that as important as we do, which then also leads us to look at press and awards and subjective creative analyzing, plus not to mention the fact that we are not overly passionate of television commercials outside of Super Bowl, it doesn't put us into the conversation. And so I think about it as the following. Would I love for people to recognize uh, our creative opportunities here? Yes, because I think if you're a creative and you come here, you get a lot more opportunity to actually make, given the nature of the amount of creative we put out into the actual world through social and digital. Um, do 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 I concern myself with our creative directors and GCDs of Worrying that Vayner's disrespected as a creative shop and thus are they happy here because they grew up in the game? Of course I do, because I care about them, but the reality is if they even decided to come here they were thinking a little bit different and definitely after being here for a year they, they know exactly why, so that hasn't reared its head. And I'm not worried about being disrespected or made fun of or not in that conversation because I respect it. I understand the framework or the perspective that conversation's coming from and then I'm as equally as that I'm proud when board members and CEOs talk about Vayner versus their other agencies. We're put in a good light because of the what happens to the business results when we're their creative partner versus the alternatives of the most iconic shops in the industry. So you know, it it makes the answer is it makes sense to me.
2: Well, that one that's interesting to me that I was I was talking to someone uh, who had not heard of you the other day who was kind of new to the industry. And it's interesting to try to describe you to people, to to come up with a shorthand. And I said, well, within advertising, I would say it's fair to say he's a polarizing figure. Um, But then they asked why. And it's a hard thing to quantify. I I feel like this industry also obviously has its share of egos and has famously very large personalities, but also there's this sort of enforced humility in advertising where it's almost looked down on to be a personality driving forward a a business where your name is on the door in, in 2020 versus in, you know, 1985.
1: Yeah. I, I would argue differently. I would say that I'm a little bit unique in the fact that I'm not just of the industry, right? So You know, I I think the industry I walked into glamorized and put very, very, very senior bankers on a pedestal, whether it was Maurice Levy or Martin Sorrell, or creative directors on a pedestal when you go to Cannes and their photos are there. And I would argue that if you look carefully, their lack of humility far outweighs mine and the only difference is I actually exist outside of the ad world and they didn't. You know, and, and that's not a rub, that's not a raz. Martin Sorrell, outside of the ad world, was not a known commodity. I came from the outside, and I'm also a byproduct of a social media ecosystem that's different than the mainstream media. If the social network world didn't exist, I also wouldn't be known, but I wasn't at the mercy of the Wall Street Journal and NBC and CBS for broader awareness. And I think, I think, and not to mention, I'm comfortable saying things I believe in. Like, you know, when you come and say creative is subjective and you really mean it, that's not necessarily the most exciting conversation in the creative field at the highest levels where they feel their subjective opinion is the rule of the land and the currency. And so I'm empathetic to the polarization. I also curse publicly that in it, but, but you know, it's a funny thing to say, but I understand why that may come off, you know, um, the thing I'm most proud of is, when people have worked in the establishment, they come here, some of them are cautious about working for me, usually until they sit down with me and we go through the interview process. But even then they're still a little cautious because there is a big personality, I get that. You know, There's not a lot of people through the history of time that will go to the A&A and give a keynote and go that hard, I get it. On the flip side, I feel great about how they feel about me and us six months later, right? And I think that's the reverse of a lot of people. A lot of people I admired or seemed like they were people that everyone was admiring, as now I'm in the industry for 10 years, either they've been smoked out or more importantly, now that I'm in it, they're not talked about nicely by the people that know them best.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a don't meet your heroes situation. It's exactly
1: what it is. And so I'm proud that I'm polarizing. I think the industry lacks innovation. I think that there's a disconnect between client services and the clients. I don't believe Fortune 500 companies are getting their money's worth. And, um, and I think you're seeing why the consultants are getting in, that's one angle, right? Um, and I think from my on- angle, I'm coming from a different place. And and very honestly, and this is important to say, my gr- now that I've, you know, this is what always happens, right? I didn't. I was 14 when I got into the wine business. I didn't drink wine, I didn't care about wine. I could care less, I was an entrepreneur, and then I learned the craft, and by the time I was 30, I knew wine, I understood wine, I appreciated wine, and more importantly, I loved the winemakers, and the people in the wine business. I've gotten to live that again. I came into this business being a practical marketer. I used marketing to build my family's business with no money. I was a practitioner. I came into it, I knew nothing about Madison Avenue. I'd never heard of any of those names. I didn't know who was who. I still don't know a lot of stuff. But now I'm 10 years in, and now I love it. You know, I love the industry. Even my own competitors, like, I mean, David is one of my favorite people I've met in the last 10 years, period, let alone in the ad world. Uh, I clearly love a lot of the clients, they've become friends, former employees, current employees, and now I understand it. And now it's fun because now we're dangerous. Now 10 years later, now, now the industry has a real problem if they don't like us. Because now, not only are we a foregone conclusion to be a major player in it in perpetuity, my hope is that I inspire Carol 14-year-old Carol who's gonna go to Miami Ad School to build an independent shop and keep it independent forever. I actually think, and I mean this, especially because I love this industry, that in 25 years, I'll be looked upon much nicer by this industry than I am now because I think my framework and model is actually gonna lead to a lot more creativity because I wanna remind everybody who's listening, almost every single creative shop that plays in our industry, outside of wide and obviously the emergers, is part of a holding company conglomerate corporation that is running P&Ls and reporting to the Wall Street dynamics that force a complete lack of creativity.
2: Yeah, and, and it, I, I've wondered, too, if your message, you know, beyond your personality, the message that you've been, you know, conveying through content for years, uh, that, you know, about hustle and about putting in the long hours and putting in the effort, I have wondered if part of the reason that that's so polarizing within advertising is because it's an industry made up of people who've been forced into that level, that lifestyle of working insane hours with no benefit to themselves.
1: That is a remarkably smart observation, not to mention that when I started talking about, quote unquote, hustle, aka hard work, That was 9, and 10 and people were out of jobs and the audience I was speaking to was creating side things for yourself while trying to maintain and now here we are 13 years later where mental health issues and insecurities and modern day parenting have led to many more dynamics. And by the way, anybody listening is more than welcome to go read Crush It where I articulate This is about happiness. This is about making $60,000 a year around Star Trek instead of making 109 at VaynerMedia or Goodby and hating it. So I think you're right. And to your point, I mean, I knew nothing about this industry. I I didn't realize how much anxiety, listen, I think I'm a mirror I always have thought that. And I think that there's a lot of anxiety and unhappiness working for publicly traded companies in a creative field that services clients. That is a very difficult thing to sign up for. If you sign up to be in client services for a company that has to hit numbers every 30, 60, 90, 365 days, you're you're setting up a framework, to your point, to that unhappiness. And uh, I think you're right.
2: Let's, let's talk about, before we get back to the Super Bowl, I did want to talk briefly about your Budweiser ad with Dwayne Wade. Um, it felt like, speaking to you at Cannes this past year, where it did, it did quite well. You believe you won three of your four first lines for the agency, uh, came for that spot. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of that ad to remind folks about it. This is where Dwayne Wade was surprised uh, by your team with what he thought was going to be a, a jersey exchange and ended up being a very sentimental, incredibly touching moments with people whose lives he in some cases, didn't have any idea he had changed. So let's listen to some of that.
0: Hey, Dwight. Hi, you doing, Ma? You were the joy of my life. But I was dropping the ball. That day that I just couldn't do it no more was the day that I was going to have to turn myself in. And I seen the tears just fall from your eyes. Your mama went down a road, Dwayne, that I didn't ever think I'd come back from. But on that road, I noticed you kept showing up, and you'll come and see about me. And Dwayne, because you believe in me, when I got out of prison, I was a different woman.
2: Was that spot, uh, the reception to it, just the process of it, was that in any way, do you feel a turning
1: point for your agency? Sure, 100%. It was... The spot that led to the most senior creatives in the industry reaching out to me with either begrudging compliment, which I appreciated because that takes a lot of humility, uh, wink winks of like, "Oh crap, you really might be into it or sheer "I want to work for your company. So, yeah, it was a very, very big moment for us in the establishment of the industry. and And what really mattered to me, and I'm just this is just my truth, I'm very excited about the awards. I used to demonize them. I've definitely tried to get into a place where I will never be excited about them. That will never change. It's a subjective call. However, I don't want to demonize them because I realized I was being a hypocrite because when I was a kid, I wanted to be in Wine Spectator's Retailers of the Year. Like, that was my world. And when I got it, it meant a lot to me, right? And I realized, wait a minute, that was a subjective call. That was Marvin Shanking deciding that I was good. Wine Library was growing fast every year, but whenever he decided, well, wait a minute, I can't do this to these ad kids who were me at 14 and 15 reading the ad week list or the ad age list or the, and and dreamed about this, this their whole life. I, I need to do a better job of quantifying awards, which is, it's nice, but it can't be what we're about just to get new business, right? So that was less of it. It was more that the ad sold Budweiser. Like that was super exciting to me, that that sheer amount of consumption, much like a Super Bowl spot or, Where's the beef, or just do it, or other things, and obviously those were more iconic campaigns. This was a more of a moment in time. But going back to the the Jeter spot, and going back to the Cubs, the Cubs World Series Facebook video was really one of our first moments, which was still seeds to why Dwayne Wade happened. There's been four very substantial online only video long form executions for Budweiser that we've done as their creative partner between Harry Carey and the Cubs winning the World Series to Jeter retiring to Dale Earnhardt retiring to this Dwayne Wade piece. The Dwayne Wade one caught the cultural zeitgeist similar to what happened this last week with Mr. Peanut which took it to a whole nother level. And it was really well done and it was really insights based and like, look, let's call it what it is. This is a huge compliment and, and I say this with humility. It was a piece that a lot of people could have said, oh, that's a Wyden piece, right? It was, a, you know, you would think Nike and Wyden did that. And, when, and then Vayner will always get more credit than it deserves, because everybody thinks we're social media, so when we go and do that, there's almost like this reverse move, right? Um, so it was a huge moment, no question about it. It is more than likely that the majority of the people that are actually listening to this podcast, that that might have been the first time they said maybe.
2: Well, and if 2019, if we look back at that spot and your first Super Bowl spot, which you've been to your point, I think you mentioned earlier, at A&A in 2017, you were saying a Super Bowl ad is one of the best investments you can possibly make. Then last year, you finally got to uh, really be in the mix. Uh, And then the Dwayne Wade spot felt like that was a turning year for you. But then you're starting 2020 with three Super Bowl ads with uh, R.I. Peanut, uh, the Mr. Peanut death being... I would say I haven't seen any the numbers yet, but probably the most talked about campaign leading up to the Super Bowl. How do you feel? How would you describe what you think 2020 is going to be like in terms of uh, changing the the nature of the way people view VaynerMedia and the business itself?
1: You know, the thing about 19 in business terms was there was a lot of work that we did where we took businesses that have been declining for a very long period of time and were able to turn their business, things that aren't public or known and also based on, and it's important for this conversation because I want to be transparent, on the fact that we were also controlling the media. And so we were able to, like, in the kind of boardroom of this industry, we had an incredibly big year. We're talking a lot about creative here, which is also was a big year. And obviously, as you can imagine, three Super Bowl spots is gonna make it even bigger. And we hired a new chief strategy and new chief creative officer in November that come with significant industry gravitas or knowledge, especially for the people that have worked with them. So look, I think 2020 will, will end up being a much bigger year because for example, unlike every other year, where we've won AORs and big pieces of business and people are flabbergasted when they find out there were 900 people in Global and Singapore and London. You know, with the before mentioned lovely Harriet and and our strategy of where we're going forward, not only will we have three spots, and I'm gonna tell you right now, and this back to bravado, I'm really, I'm more excited about these spots than, than I thought I even could be. So like, I'm excited about the creative, which I think is gonna be important, because when? when? It hits, that matters too, because if you just have three and nobody remembers them, that's not as good either. Uh, The business results behind that I'm confident about, because back to what I said about the kale chips, like we think a lot about, and I think you'll see it in the three spots, the business if you kind of look at it from that lens. And then I think you'll hear seven to 10 times this year through your wonderful publication Things like VaynerMedia was awarded the blah, blah, blah business. VaynerMedia was awarded, I mean, we all know how this works. We've stayed quiet in our growth, um, but we will be less quiet about it because we feel like we're ready to solve a lot of the problems that clients have. And that felt like the right time for us to be a little louder, not to use it to try to get more business. So what's ironic is I'm so loud as a human but for all of the businesses I've ever been involved in, I like to wait until I think I can really deliver, like really deliver. Like it's a remarkable feeling for me right now to know that if we run three incredible spots and everybody's buzzing, and they love the new senior hires I made, and it gets going, and things like this happen, that when we get RFP'd or more more fun, when we just get handed opportunities, which is our norm more than winning RFPs, because I don't think we still know how to do that, That that, I think you're going to see a lot of it. I think we're really on the precipice, and I think when people really get educated on what we do on the, you know, on the uh, media side, in addition to creative, to drive the actual business result, and then when people get educated that we've created some consulting products that let people steal our brains instead of just hiring us in a world where we're empathetic that they can't get out of their publicist or Omnicom contracts, or they don't want to. They they've even though they're frustrated with the separation of creative and media, they're still stuck. I think we've really worked very hard the last two years to put us in a place to have a remarkable, remarkable year. And I would argue, to your point, that twenty twenty may be the year that, if you're a nerd and like to talk about the industry, in twenty thirty three, they're going to be like, "That was the year Vayner really got, really got going." To, you you set it up properly. I think nineteen did things that set it up, but this has a chance of being that year.
2: The uh, last thing I really wanted to ask about in terms of the news cycle this year, and it's it's tough to talk about something that's emotional in a strategic way, but that's the business we're in after Kobe Bryant's death. Uh, so many marketers had to pause and take stock of what they were doing, what messages they were putting out. Um, you know, your, your company paused the, uh, Mr. Peanut campaign online. Um, and I, I believe you're making changes on the Michael Bay directed spot for hard rock. That's correct. Um, I'm, I'm curious, do you think it, it, it seemed like a good time to be a very socially aware agency, uh, to just have that sensitivity and to know, you know, between on the, on the positive side, the success of the Mr. Peanut campaign in terms of generating that social conversation, but also knowing when to shut up, when to revisit, uh, yourself. How did that this past week affect you and kind of your outlook of, of the messaging that we create as advertisers?
1: Well, you know, it's really interesting. It's Fun to say this, like the thing I'm most proud of at Vayner by a country mile is two things. When there's a problem or when somebody is to be let go from Vayner, both those things have to cross my desk and I have to make that decision. I like being a leader. I like to take on the toughest stuff. And so one, There's been so many things that have happened over the last 10 years where I've made decisions that may not seem to be the decision that everyone's talking about because I'm really not looking at what the B2B world's saying. I'm looking at the end consumer. So I always am thinking about what do the masses feel? What does the customer feel? Like that's what we all are in the business of. And so for me, it's just part of real life, meaning, first of all, it's really interesting. I lost a pretty good friend that was a public figure not too long ago, in an incredible man named Nipsey Hussle. And he was my real, real friend. And he had similar but very different, not to the level of this Kobe reaction given their difference in fame, but what he meant to our subcultures that we mixed in was a lot. And that hurt. And it was really interesting to me, the Kobe thing where I had no relationship, genuinely was, I'm not even close to a Lakers fan, and It was really interesting how it hit me, maybe because of how having a young daughter, like just some of the stuff, it was really tough. Maybe because it was on a Sunday, like, because on a Monday I'm working, you know, like, I don't know. But, A, how did, you asked, and to answer your questions, for me personally, I'm still, you know, kind of here 48 hours later, not in myself. There was like two or three things the team asked me to do. I said no, because I just can't muster the energy. As far as the decision, look, we had the unfortunate scenario that our, Creative was uncomfortably nuanced in a way that was had enough similarities that are just difficult to fathom. We felt very, it, we felt that Twitter's timeline and the way the Twitter function works put us in a very vulnerable spot that people might see things that might be out of context, aka Kobe and then Peanut right behind it. And so we didn't feel that that was appropriate. And, and and every hour we're having a discussion of if it's appropriate to turn it back on, when it's appropriate, like just being very conscious of feelings of humanity and the end consumer, not what a publication or any or or just people that are looking for debate would say. So really looking at that and 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 we, and by the way, we're ha- we're having conversation we had a conversation twenty minutes before you got here. I'll have another one later about the continuation. We had two spots that had l- legitimate nuances that could be misinterpreted, and you've got to look at that and then the question becomes, you know, when's the right time, when's it not? So I think it's unbelievably important to not be over anything over insensitive, over emotional. I think. It is our jobs in this industry and has always been, in whatever angle you want to look at it, to be good at taking the temperature. To be good at taking the temperature. And that's how I think about this. What is the temperature of our society around what we would put in front of them when there is a dark cloud in the air and when it's super sunny and everyone's just chilling?
2: Gary Vanderstech, CEO of VaynerMedia, Thank you so much for making time for us today. And uh, just to we we didn't get to talk too much about each specific Super Bowl ad, but obviously there's Planters uh, and Hard Rock, and then also Sabra, uh, all from your agency. So I encourage everyone to keep an eye out for that. By this. the way, I
1: apologize just to give it two seconds because I think I don't know. I think this could bring value. Obviously, the Hard Rock we mentioned we, we had to do something with the Michael Bay spot. Um, the Sabra. You know, I love this industry. I'm, really, I said, I'm glad I got to say this earlier. It's Gary at VaynerMedia.com. And why I'm saying that, it's very simple. This, the Sabra spot is extremely interesting. And whether you think it's stupid, the best, the worst, whether you want to siphon an insight, because I really, let, let me actually say this the world is so uncomfortably abundant that I think there's enough business for everybody by a thousand. And so I'm I'm fiercely competitive. I wanna win, I wanna be the biggest thing. Let there be no confusion. That guy you see on stage, that's the most alpha of me, that guy exists in my normal life right now. However, if there's any way I can bring value to any conversation from anybody at any levels in the ad world about it, I think it's an interesting one. So I'm excited for you guys to see it and would love to get some hot takes, pro, con, different, or could answer any questions. So yeah, I'm really excited about you seeing it and the world seeing it, it's pretty interesting.
2: Oh, great. Well, I'm sure there will be no shortage of hot takes on Sunday. (laughs) Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, thanks so much for making time for us today. All right. uh, This is David Griner with Adweek, and we'll be back soon. Uh, Don't forget to tune in the morning after the Super Bowl. We will have even more coverage of our thoughts on the game. We'll be back then.
0: Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet viral Growth Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.